Hey, it's Nate. It's Barry. It's Brian. Welcome back. Collective Bros Podcast. We missed you. Here to talk about a challenging discussion today. We all picked a game we love. Just a couple games, some of us. I picked one. We all picked a game we love. <laughs> uh, we're going to critique the hell out of it. Uh, not necessarily like a shit post, but we're going to seriously critique a game that we love. I personally picked my favorite game of all time. I picked my favorite as well. And we're going to do talk about some things that didn't work with us with them. Oh, no, that's not what I did. What did we do? I just made it as your favorite game and tell someone why you shouldn't play it. Yeah, that's basically and what Mine's full of bullshit that I don't even agree with. Oh, Ooh. I was serious with mine. I got some shit I don't agree with, but... Alright, look, this episode is the entirety of when you were in high school on a debate team, and they gave you a topic yeah. that you, <laughs> you had to debate, d- and you didn't agree with that topic, but you had to agree pro for it. This is exactly what this is. Well, I can get super toxic with mine, then. I was just trying to be an adult, and it's important to be able to objectively look at things you love. No. Well, I like Barry's yeah, idea. I'm g- trying. <laughs> I'll throw a little bit of both in mine. You better get silly. I got some silly. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get silly, guys. Talk about that. games we love that we're going to seriously critique and tell you why you just shouldn't even bother with it. Before we dive into the silliness, if you guys want to check us out on all of our social media platforms, you can see that in the episode notes, primarily on TikTok and Discord. But if you'd like to get a little more personal, Discord's the best place to reach us personally. We're pretty active on there. We try to be, and we appreciate the feedback. So check us out on Discord. As always, we're going to talk about what we've been playing and what we've picked up. Spoiler, Starfield's out. We've all been playing Starfield. But as far as pickups, I'll make this pretty quick. This is going to be a short segment. We got, we got. It's a meaty episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah we got yeah. a lot to talk about. So it's going to be pretty, you know, the most polarizing game of the year to be brief. It's fine. Whatever. Maybe I'm we'll sure talk we'll about it later. We're a collecting yeah. podcast, whatever. <laughs> uh, my pickups, I got a couple of them in run games. I might have said these already. That's fine. Just say them again. But I picked up Doom 64 in the Collector's Edition for Xbox and then Day of the Tentacle. But. Did have a couple cheap finds at half-price books on clearance. I got Brothers in Arms, Road to Hill 30, and World Championship Pool for a dollar. Sweet. Any completing box, and they were minty boys. Like, they still had, like, the stickers on them and stuff. So, anytime you get a game for a dollar, pick it up. All right. I will now begin to give the briefest, <laughs> briefest possible... Give me your pros and cons. ...analysis of Starfield. Okay, I... Obviously, you guys know I'm a Bethesda fan. Like, it's... Un- Bias on a Bethesda fan. Unbiased Bethesda fan. Um, I love Starfield. It's got problems, yes. I'm not going to say that like it doesn't. Um, it's everything I wanted. I'm getting everything I enjoyed. It feels a lot like Morland in space to me in a lot of ways I wasn't expecting. There is a lot of jump in this world, walk around, good luck, figure it out yourself, which like, I wasn't expecting. I was really expecting like, to hold your hand similar to Skyrim. It feels like an older Bethesda game to me, which I'm really a fan of. Now, I, I think there are a couple, similar to Morrowind, which this episode's going to be about this, actually. It's funny how we're talking about this right now. But some of my biggest problems with Morrowind, I think, are like, how did we repeat this 20-something years later? Like, unforgivable, there's not vehicles in this game. I think it's a that's a design oversight that you just, I, I can't forgive you. Like, I don't care how big of a Todd Howard fan, more like Elder Scrolls fan, like, I cannot forget that there's not vehicles in this game. I mean, this is a mistake you guys realized since Elder Scrolls 4 and said, sorry, we're, we're not doing that again. And for some reason, in this brand new game, we're going to sit there and have you just walk these gigantic planets with, to be frank, a lot of empty areas, which is another issue I have, which makes more sense for this game than if they do it for a future Elder Scrolls game of this random generation. But 
all the hand-built, hand-crafted stuff that they took their time with, I would give, like, the highest marks you can give. This game's pretty amazing when it's handcrafted, the actual developed world. There is a real aspect of loneliness when you're out there just walking around on a moon trying to find a random-ass resource you don't necessarily even need to get a badge. It necessarily doesn't really do anything. So I think a lot of this game is making your own fun out of it, which we all kind of touch on our own parts of it. But I did complete the story already. Uh, I will say the New Game Plus is extraordinarily creative, how they implemented it. I think it's a huge mark that a lot of people, like the reviews and stuff, didn't actually get to. And it's a huge aspect of this game that will get talked about for future generations without spoiling anything. I think that was really creative. Overall, Bethesda's never really been known for their stories, honestly. Since Morrowind to me, that they've never really like captured my attention with the story. But this one's good for them. I think if you compare it to other games, it's, it's pretty lacking. But it's a nice little twist in there that I found narratively that was fun. The universe was interesting enough with like the lore and stuff. I just wish they would kind of expand upon it. And hopefully we get that in a future game. But overall, like I get why people don't love this game. I'm not going to critique anyone for feeling differently than me. I'm personally really enjoying it. I'm about 80-something hours into it at this point. I did start playing it in early access. Uh, I think, as always, Bethesda side, like the faction quests are fantastic. I think they're worth... If you don't necessarily care for everything else, I think the story and the, the faction quests are totally worth playing experience, especially if like you're a Game Pass person where you're already have the service it's worth checking out at the very least for that i'm not going to fault anyone for feeling a certain way about this game though i'm not the type of person to look at a score and get offended like i have i'm having my own fun with this game i'm not gonna let someone else's opinion affect that i total respect if you disagree with me but pleasantly surprised with the more wind and space aspect of this game so it's kind of hard to put so much thoughts on it. even after 80 hours i feel like i still have like a lot to do so I don't want to give it a score, but I am enjoying my time with Starfield overall. Brian, how about you? I'm going to go ahead and start with pickups. Uh, well, I did pick up a consolation edition of Starfield, so I was pretty hyped to get that. I don't love the watch, but the fact that it's a Bethesda exclusive. And, All right, I'm glad I didn't get it then. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was kind of... <laughs> I was really yeah. curious about awesome. getting it. No, it's cool. I mean, I, again, I really love Starfield also, just to quickly touch on that. Obviously, I've been playing it. Uh, for me... The narrative started out really meh, and I couldn't get my teeth into it. And then it hits a certain point, and I'm like, here we go. I love sci-fi. I already got spoiled for the ending, and I'm like, okay, I'm all in. And uh, I'm definitely hooked by the story. Some more pros about this game. I think the more, like, whatever you want to play as it truly is, like, do whatever you want. In a lot of Bethesda games, they say that. But this one, I started out very much like a shipbuilder, kind of pirating. And now I'm turned into a full-blown, like, I'm going to create outposts that create things for me where I can just generate whatever I want to generate. It's really cool, whereas you can plug in the points and spend the time. And I'm a level 50. Uh, I've put about 55 hours into it, 60 hours, something like that. But, like, it's cool how much my game's changed from when I first started. Even my characters changed so much from when I first started. It's, like, the best blend of, like, this is, this, this is a Bethesda game. Like, don't get it twisted. If you don't like Bethesda games, you're not going to like it. Me, love Bethesda. This is like the game I've been waiting on to have fun again, playing video games that are modern. So um, I've got nothing but praise for it. Yeah, there's issues. There's issues with everything. Like, whatever. But my issues are similar. The characters, <sighs> initially I didn't love any of them. I was like, I just don't care. Me and the robot are hanging out because this is the person I care about the most. But uh, they do get a little more interesting. It goes on. But then really by the end of the game, everything kind of gets wrapped up narratively where it's like, 
does any of this really matter anyway? And it kind of makes it awesome without spoiling it. Yeah. They do a really good job of putting the bow on the end of the story. And like everything that you have positive or negative kind of goes out the window in a great, really interesting way. Bethesda's never really been strong with characters. It's always like the world that's strong. Yeah. I, I think that trend continues. And like, yeah, I love sci-fi. I love outer space. Like, Are you saying the ending is going to, the ending is so good that no matter how you feel about the game, you're going to like the ending? And you're going to think better oh, of Oh, you'll game. love it or hate no, it. Between, it's, I think. It's, it's narrative. All that stuff kind of fits <sighs> into the narrative. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, okay. but <laughs> they do a really good job of like making the narrative at the end of it matter. Yeah. Yeah. And again, right. kind of not matter also in a weird way. Yeah. I, have yeah. you have you both beaten the story? I've not. I just got spoiled. I have. Okay. I've okay. Beat it multiple times already, actually. So uh, as far as playing, it's funny. I actually kind of, I know Barry last time was cramming games in. I was too. Uh, before Starfield came out, I was like, let me play a bunch of like bite-sized games. So I was playing a bunch of like Game Pass games that are leaving Game Pass, trying to get some gamer score because I knew I was going to get sucked into Starfield. I ended up playing Metal Hellsinger. That game was fun. It's a first-person rhythm shooter. So if you like rhythm games and you like first-person games, like check this game out. It's pretty interesting. You're a demon. You go to hell, kill demons. Like story, whatever. That's not why you're playing it. But like it's got a metronome in the middle of the screen. That's your reticle to aim to shoot. So it was pretty interesting little fun indie game that really didn't get a lot of praise but it was pretty great i forgot i played it too i really enjoyed it it was like the perfect game pass game it's like yeah. super it wasn't super long but like creative fun if you don't like metal music don't play it that's another thing yeah. good soundtrack banging soundtrack yeah it was pretty fun i enjoyed it and then uh also played dc super pets which you know what we do thanks for gamer score i like crypto i guess but i would not recommend that game not very fun not good hard pass <laughs> and then uh like, was it a day or two before Starfield came out? A game I've been waiting on for console finally comes out. Call of the Wild, the Angler. Fishing open world game. That's awesome. Like, damn, I would be playing the shit out of that right now if it wasn't for Starfield. Like, physics are great on it. It's co-op. It's cross-play. The game's a blast, man. Like, after I beat Starfield, and maybe in like six years when I'm done playing Starfield, I'll get back into the Angler because it, it was... I was blown away. Like, the physics are really interesting, and it's not, like, ultra-realistic where you can't do anything. It's a good mix of, like, hey, this is kind of a realistic fishing sim, but also semi-video gamey. Like, it's a great balance. And, like, the world's cool. There's a story, which, okay, sure. But it's a unique take on the fishing game. It's one I've been waiting on, and it's on Game Pass, so I finally got to play it. Really enjoy that game, but, you know, Starfield came out. And uh, pickups, I actually picked up a super nice, clean copy of Doom on Jaguar, complete in the box. Looks like this thing's never even played. So, even had a protector and everything, like, it's minty. Super happy to get that. Love Doom. Collect all the Dooms. And then I got uh, Batting Kaido's Eternal Wings for, like, 20, 25 bucks off, so I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah, pretty nice. What about you, Barry? I'm poor, so I don't buy anything. I did get a pre-order that I ordered a long time ago. It just came out called uh, The Legend of Nayuta. So it's the Legend of Heroes series. Um, I think it's a new spinoff. I'm not exactly sure. I just saw that it was available for pre-order and it was a Legend of, and I said, I gave it to me. I don't, I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as what I've been playing, uh, it's definitely been Starfield, and I'm glad I didn't buy this game, and I'm disappointed that I got an Xbox to play this game, to be honest. The only thing at this point I'm looking forward to is like Fable, and I guess Elder Scrolls 6, since they pretty much confirmed there's not going to be on PlayStation. But I'm, I'm, I am glad I didn't buy the game outright and been out with $70, because, like, this game is not good, in my opinion. I'm having a horrible time with it. Not to mention, like, the amount of bugs and glitches I've encountered. Like, last night I played and had 
my game cr- fully crashed twice and then completely got stuck in an area because I was trying to exit and then it would freeze on the loading screen and just wouldn't, wouldn't, con- I'd have to hard reset my Xbox to get it to work again. Characters clipping through walls, the amount of times I'm supposed to find somebody and they're not there and then they just go through a wall and then they're there. It's like, it's just really frustrating the amount of things I've had to deal with in playing this game. Um, as far as pros, I I do like Nate, Nate mentioned the handcrafted worlds. I think they're good. All the generated stuff is so boring. It's the same outposts. It's the same rocks. It's the same flat hills. Like there's no good variation. The one with the farm while you're doing like the free star. I referenced this one, the re- free star ranger with the farm and the canyons. Like that was a really cool area. But everything outside of like handcrafted stuff where large quests are extremely boring. I have no desire to explore them. On top of that, you're going to make me walk thousands of kilometers with no other way to, like, get there faster. Lack of vehicle to sin. At all. Um, the resourcing is so bland. And then, like, I just, I don't see a, I don't, I wanted to get into outposting because I was like, oh, cool, I can make furniture. I just got the apartment in New Atlantis and decorate the inside. The outposts are useless. Like, what am I going to use all these resources for? I could just buy them from vendors. I have so much money I have so much money. I have like 1.5 like million credits or something stupid. I don't know. Um, so I'm just like, I have all this money. There's nothing to buy it on. There's no vendors with like good actual weapons. It wants you to either loot people, but all the loot's the same constantly. I just stop picking up loot. I just pick up their credits and ammo. I don't pick up anything anymore. It's like, forget it. I'm not selling it. It's weighing me down. I got to run everywhere. This is stupid. <laughs> so I stopped picking stuff up. The outposting... I'm trying to get into it just so I can unlock more of the decoration stuff because I just want to decorate my little apartment. That's really it. The outposting with the connecting... It's really interesting in a mechanical way, but, like, I have... There's nothing for me there. There's nothing for me at all. There's nothing for me on shipbuilding. I just got a suite. Like, if you do uh, the Freestar Ranger faction quest, I got a sweet ship at the end. I just use that for everything. It has me. It has weapons on there that you need like level four skill to use or swap out, and I'm like, no, I'm just gonna use these lasers, whatever. So I have a sweet ship. I don't need to buy a ship or like edit a ship or anything. It's really complicated, anyways. It's really stupid that like each hub, it's like engineering hub, living quarters, and then they have variations of them where it's like uh, engineering style A, engineering style B, but you can't preview any of them. So I have to load. I have to save it and then go into my ship and look at it and see. If I like it, go back out, go talk to the vendor, edit it back to another one, save it, go back into my ship. It's just really stupid. There's a lot of things about this game that I do not like. As far as the story, I'm intrigued. I've done all of the faction quests, and to be honest, the Vanguard one was the only good one with the Terramorphs, in my opinion. I think the Freestar Rangers and the Ryujin give you the best benefits at the end, but the stories are a little bland for me. Did you play the pirate one? Yeah, it was boring. Uh, I like Super that boring. I like that. Um... I just got a bunch of money. I already had a bunch of money. I don't need any more money. <laughs> I need stuff. Uh, and then, like, the main story, it's okay so far. I don't have any complaints about it. I think it's interesting. We'll see if it's the same old science fiction story. I am not very far, so I can't speak on it much. I'm intrigued, though. Um, but Nate was saying about you're playing this game for a specific reason. Uh, I basically found a plushie in an event. It's the plushie Galacticat. <laughs> And uh, you can pick up and drag stuff around in this game. So what I've been doing with this game, which infinitely made this game so much better for me, 
is I drop my little galactic cat on the ground, I grab him, and then I move around the environment, and then I pause and take photos of him. And so we're going to make a galactic cat series, and y'all see it, but so far they're coming out pretty great. So far he's a bartender, uh, he's a ship pilot. He's as versatile as your character. Um, <laughs> uh, what else do I have? Uh, he's a dancer with those weird <laughs> alien dancer unitard guys. He's dancing with them. Um I have him in a sad moment of the game that I don't want to spoil. He's a battle battle station commander. Uh, I'm making drunk as next. I'm collecting empty <laughs> beer bottles um, from anywhere that I can find, and I'm just going to collect a bunch of them. Oh, I have him as a sexy smuggler, so I took like a shit ton of briefcases for contraband, stacked him up, and laid him across <laughs> the top of it in like a little pose. So I'm just posing my Galactic Cat, and like that's why I enjoy the game. The rest of this game. No, I, I I personally wouldn't recommend it. I think there's if if this is the only game that you have and the only game that you play, there's probably a lot in here for you. There's too much. There's too much out there. I have to play other stuff. I got way too much stuff to other play. It's a crowded year, no doubt. So, I just I can't invest the time this game wants, and with the amount that it's giving me, I don't want to play it. It doesn't leave anything to be desired for me except for Galactic Cat. That's it. Check out the Discord for Galactic Cat photos. Shout out to Space Frog, too. Where's all Space Frog? The, all the plushies are awesome. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Symbol of hope in a hopeless universe. So let's dive into our games, guys. Uh, let's go around, I guess, and say what we picked first, and then we can start dunking on them. Uh, I chose Elder Scrolls 3 Mortal One, which is my favorite game of all time, and I personally think the best game, but I'm really excited to tell you guys why you shouldn't ever even bother with it. Brian, what did you pick? I went with Mass Effect, the original release. Uh, yeah, again, it's my favorite game of all time. I adore this game. I love this game. But as I was saying, it is important to objectively look at things and be like, you know what? It's not perfect because it's not. How about you, Barry? Uh, my obvious choice is Final Fantasy VII, and you'll find out soon why you shouldn't play this game. I didn't know if you're going to go remake or if you're going to go original. Original. This is original. I'm here for it, so... It's interesting. Both of our games have re-releases, remasters, remakes, whatever. And mine really needs one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have an X enhancement. It's just, it's all it does is load times and... It's an X enhancement. I mean, at this point, you got people putting out games with the, the report for $50. Oof, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'll go first since it's my episode. I don't want to talk forever, though, but I'll go first. It's going to be a little bit of that with this, this episode, though, since we're giving reasons for our game. Something I'm actually really excited to mention about all three of these games, we've all three played all three of them, so we can all kind of chime in equally and trash them. Uh, Barry won't have to act too hard for more. I've only played <laughs> yeah. the PC version of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I've played... Let me tell y'all okay, about Okay, <laughs> wait, what, what's the first big kind of like town you get to in Morrowind? The first big one, the first town in With general. the river in between, it looks like garbage. The buildings are like blobs. Are you talking about more, or are you talking about City of Neen, or you or your land? There's a, there's a, the first you one you get off the boat, the boat and there's That's a little city town. Okay, and then the next big city that Balmora. you get to first, Balmora. Yeah, I've primarily gotten to that point, and then I got to another city where I got lost in. Sounds like you played Morrowind. <laughs> <laughs> so my knowledge of this game is very short-lived. I honestly don't think there's a single point I'm going to bring up except for narrative stuff that you would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because even At this you, point, the narrative, I wouldn't even know what you're talking I about. I would either. say if you played Morrowind for 20 minutes, all these points are going to pretty much stand with you and be like, I know what you mean. So I think you'll be all right. All right, boys, let's get into it. I'll go first. Uh, there's a lot of problems with Morrowind, if we're being really honest. But objectively speaking... You can't say a single good thing about this. 
Oh, we can't episode. say anything good? No, no. Oh, my God. No, you can't You can't say anything good about the game. Let's talk about the story of Morrowind. <laughs> so, what I wrote in here, my notes, I think the story's pretty solid. It's a little weird, but if we're not going to say anything good, this is 100% not shit posting. This is 100% genuine thoughts here. The narrative and how it's delivered to you is so tedious and long-winded, and it really breaks up an epic story and turns into a slog. So the, a fair this is the most bare-bones version of a long series of events I can give you the story of Morrowind. But <clears throat> like every Elder Scrolls game, you're a prisoner, you wake up. On this one, you get a note from the Emperor who's like, we need you here. You're going to go see Cassius Codius. He's a blades master. He's going to train you to be a spy. You go to him. He gives you your orders. Through a long series of events, he tells you that you fit the narrative to be a Neverine, whether you really are or not. You might be the reincarnated savior of the Dark Elves to topple Dagoth Ur, who is basically resurrecting a cult to go against the Tribunal Council of Dark Elves. This is the very, very abridged version. So, like, no one come after because I know there's a lot more meat to the bone than that. But like, this is the very, very abridged version. Through this series of events, you have to basically prove yourself to the Dumner that you are the Neverine by fulfilling the seven prophecies. And you fill those out, you end up confronting Dagather, you end up killing him after multiple tries. It's the end of the story, basically. All so, right, here's how I saw the story. Prisoner on a boat. They said, we don't want to deal with your ass. Get off the boat. And then I just kind of went out in the world. That brings you kind of to my point. <laughs> I was like, so, what's going on? Yeah, to piggyback on that point, kind of, Barry, you don't, this game does not force you to play the story. Single player RPG, story carries it. Very real criticism of this game is... There's a catastrophic world event where there's these gods, and you might be one of them, but the game doesn't care. Like, if you want to just be a dumbass that wanders around the whole time, you can be. My biggest complaint, I remember playing it as a kid, and, like, it was more fun for me to, I literally used to, like, try to murder the whole town and, like, make stacks of different clothing and different stuff like that. And it's like, there's no real punishment for not following the narrative story. Well, that's the thing. The game's designed that way. Yeah. And, like, when I was playing it recently last year, I used to think it was a player thing, where it's like, I'm choosing to be an asshole. Right. But I want, the reason why I started playing last year is I kind of forgot how the DLC worked. I was like, I want to experience this DLC again and play through the story. Because I remember the Tribunal story being like very good. So I wanted to get to that. So I was trying to blow through the main story. There's times where I had to literally level up. Not like a speechcraft skill or like it was an overall level to be able to go just talk to somebody to advance the narrative. And I'm like, mm. it's just this artificially extending gameplay. For an already long game. Right. And let's just talk about talking to people in general. So we're talking about narrative here. Does anybody here prefer reading tiny ass text instead of getting voice acting when people talk to you? Anybody <laughs> hear crickets? Are you just talking about the dialogue? Yeah. Because uh, I think, okay, maybe some people like this. And if you do like it, you can go read a real book in, in person. Well, but like of those the in entirety too. of the lore of being in these stupid tiny books that you have to pick up and then just read text and text and text and text. I'm like, bro, I don't have time. I got to go steal some ingots and put them in a bin in my house. Like, I'm not reading a book. So, so that's like one of my biggest complaints with the mainline games. Like ESO, I feel like I get so much more lore and stuff. I mean, they still got the books, right? But yeah. I don't feel like it's as bad as, like, the main single-player games. Morrowind specifically is, like, the... I mean, they use books in Oblivion and Skyrim that are still from Morrowind because they're so chonky and meaty. 
but just interacting. This is the first Elder Scrolls game with voiced dialogue, but it's not actual like dialogue of them talking to you. It's just like every race has their own voice actor, and it's just like random phrases when they see you or when they're attacking you. If you go up and speak to them, if you're playing on Xbox, like I hope you got a big TV now. Modern consoles kind of fix it, but back when it came out, impossible to read. Like this text was so microscopic. Yeah, I do. I don't remember what I played it on. Initially, I remember I had a problem with another game. It was called um, Kingdom Under Fire, I think. Oh, yeah, I like that game. Uh, but I remember renting that from Gamefly and popping it in and getting it. And I played it on a little 27-inch like TV because that's what I had as a kid. Like That was my little TV. And I could not read hmm. anything. UI, tutorials, nothing. And I feel like Morrowind was about the same. Oh, I w- like It's incredibly impossible to play on a smaller screen unless you you have mods. Yeah, and that's the thing. Everyone's quick solution to every this is from a more one fanboy over here like everyone's solution let's just mod it i don't want to have to mod a game to play it correctly yeah i mean especially considering you think about when this came out like people it wasn't common for people to have 50 inch tvs no that was unheard of yeah you were rich you were a rich bitch if you had one of those either way you're playing if you're xbox like yeah you don't have a tv big enough and a computer this thing broke computers when it came out Mm -hmm. this thing bogged them down like because it is a very graphically intensive rich handcrafted world when it came out so yeah that definitely there's there's parts when i was doing the main story last year where i was just reading and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scroll i mean i'm talking literally six huge boxes that i was just like i and i love this game and i was like i'm ready for you to shut up and go away so i can go do something else i think the best way to put it it's cool that it's immersive but it's definitely not fun for a video game when you're just trying to play yeah it's 100 percent true it i mean is- people want to complain about playing games and they're like well i feel like i'm just not playing a game and i'm watching a tv show and i'm like bro that's better than reading a book reading a book yeah it's <laughs> better than reading a book <laughs> y'all want to joke about like three hour cinematics and stuff but it's like keep scrolling and morrowind and tell me you want to you'd rather do that than watch a cinematic morrowind single-handedly is the reason why um kids these days don't read books <laughs> i've said it here <laughs> so that's the main quest another very important aspect of rpg single player rpgs to be specific would be side quest Brian, you remember any memorable side quests in Morrowind? Negative. Barry, do you even find any? Bro, I don't even know what I was doing in that game. So I couldn't tell you a lick of anything I in that game. I think we all agree Elder Scrolls has one of the biggest things going for it. It's the amazing side quests, especially in Oblivion and Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Fargoth's like a meme at this point for Morrowind, but other than that, like, there's no memorable side quests in this game. Mm-hmm. People are like, what about the, the pilgrimages? Oh, so walking and clicking on a statue is memorable to you? <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, but look... Oh, what? Walking? I hope y'all like walking in this game, by the way. Bruh. So, but yeah, the side quests are pretty whack, man. Like, honestly, there's not a single one that stands out. I will throw one honorable mention to the Naked Nords. Whenever you find them out in the wilderness, those are generally a funny quest, but they're not good quests. It's just the, the awkwardness of seeing a giant naked dude in the middle of the road and him being like, help, I got bamboozled, and not a good quest, though. So, the side quests, like, it's pretty quick summary, but they're, not, they're all forgettable. They're not very good. So the main story is hard to get through. Side quests aren't really that great. I'll say this, even just to go back to the story, the way it's laid out where, you know, most games, it's a, I think it's more of a modern thing to tell you where to go. Like, you have to pay attention and you have to read to figure out where to go in this oh, game, too. Yeah, we'll kind of get, that's kind of, I got that in the gameplay part. Oh, but. Okay. So, yeah, we're talking about a game that, honestly, the main quest, the story is good, but how it's laid out is tedious. We're talking about side quests that are just kind of hard to find, not great. Not very memorable. What about the guilds? Elder Scrolls known for 
faction houses and stuff. Yeah, it is. You want to talk about those in Morrowind? Brian, you remember any of them? I honestly don't. They're is all the Dark Brotherhood in it? It is. That's They're, all I know. I remember the ones that are in it, but I don't remember like the, so, the layouts. Let's talk about quests. I think Oblivion's got his criticisms, but everyone universally agrees. It's like the best side quest in any Elder Scrolls game. <sighs> I didn't get that far. So... I got trapped on a chair. Thieves Guild, unbelievable. Yeah, Barry got caught the Bethesda glitch, but all these are epic. They turn into like these grandiose storylines. They're so tedious in Morrowind. If you join the Mages Guild, because like last time I played, I was spellcasting, because like, you know, we'll get into spellcasting later, but Mages Guild, first thing, all you do is be everyone's bitch for hours and hours and hours. Run around and play pranks on people and shit. It doesn't turn you into like the super wizard. Like, you don't even have to like, amount to anything you just basically run around and be able to little bitch made and it's like all right you go to the next guild house in the next city because unlike Is that the did you start that one in the one with the weird water pyramids and more one yeah i've done it before uh that one's <sighs> do you know what i'm talking about uh-huh the town with the weird water pyramids that's where they all look city. the same that's Vivic city okay that's, that's where i started the mage's guild and yeah. i was like where am there, i that's so that one's where's my map oh We'll get to the map too. <laughs> What's going on? Vivic City is amazing. Can I steal anything here? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's what's special about Morrowind, or until you actually get into the nitty gritty of it, you go into every city, you're like, damn, there's a guild like in every town major city. That's cool. Or some of the other others, it'll send you the other ones to go like do part of the main quest line. That's it. These all have their own quest line per house and city, which is pretty cool until you realize they're also fetch quests and talking to people and playing pranks and stuff over and over again. I will give one commendation to the thieves, uh, the, the Fighters Guild one, because you end up like beefing with the Thieves Guild, and it's actually like, a decent story. But even then, it's super tedious to get to that point. I think it's the biggest misopportunity in this game, honestly. So that's the story, Morrowind. You guys still want to play? Like, well, what about the gameplay? Yeah, let's talk about the gameplay. Every previous Elder Scrolls entry to this point, Arena, Daggerfall, you could fast travel, you could ride a horse, because the map's huge. Hey, now, you can fast travel in this one. Well... Kind of. It's a taxi service. It's not even for anything. <laughs> the Silt Striders. Yeah. I guess. I never was able to use them because so, I didn't know how. <laughs> with those, if you want to fast travel, even in Arena, even in Daggerfall, I want to go here. Click that town. If you've been there, boom. Pay a fee, you can go. Silt Striders are like airports. They're only in certain spots. So if you want to go to a town that's a two-hour walk away from where the Silt Strider lands, you walk in the rest of the way. It ain't going to land there for you. It's going to go to the big cities, and that's it. Does uh, Morrowind have a teleport magic? It's got a levitate. So it doesn't have a magic where you can set, like, a home city and teleport back there? Nope. What I used Damn, to do... Damn, RuneScape's better. Bro, to get around this shit as a kid, what I used to do is I used to use the cheat code for invincibility, equip the uh, this is the hat or the robe that from the guy that's that a falls... scroll. Yeah, there's yeah. a guy that falls in the beginning of the game... He's got a scroll where you can like jump really, oh, the really high. the one where they take those to the end of the game and beat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed run, yeah. That's how I used to fast travel because I was like, screw this, and I would just <laughs> land in the town, turn the cut back off, unequip the. But so not only can you not ride a horse, so this game is very much designed in effect where it wants you to have to be in and explore the world. And the world is beautiful, I'll credit that, but the things are real ugly when you're walking, you're out of energy, and a cliff racer swoops in on you now. Like all Elder Scrolls games, there's an enemy nearby, you can't rest or recover, you can't save. These cliff racers. Did you experience these, Barry? Them boys would be 50 feet away from so me, and I can't do too. anything. Yep. I think everyone will universally say, I don't care how big of a Morrowind stand you are, you hate cliff racers. 
I won't defend a single positive. If this they episode, won't even swoop me. And I'd just yep. be like, dog, please, I'm still walking. And it's like, I mean, nearby. And I say, where? I don't even see one. <laughs> if yep. this episode was like, a, hey, Ugh. defend the honor of Cliff Racers, it'd be a two-man show because I wouldn't even participate. <laughs> Down to collector bro forever. So these things will come at you. Sometimes they take miles of trekking because they just... It's not even like they're they're hovering. It's like a glitched animation where they just like skim above you and you're, they're out of reach. You can't hit them, but you can't rest. You can't recover. Their boys will start hopping in because you're trying to move forward. So they start moving forward with you. I have taken 18 of these things into like a town before and just mass chaos because you can't do anything. You can't save. You can't advance. And it is the most obnoxious enemy to this day of any game I've ever played in my life. They're not like super difficult once they do get in range of you, but like so yeah, let's say you want to fight these cliff racers. Well, let's talk about the combat in Morrowind. I've heard it described as broken. I'm not going to say it's broken. Is it ass though? Kinda. It's not fun. It's not intuitive. It's dice rolling. Well, kind the of. The is this was supposed to be the next step in like RPGs and we have this old primitive system. If it was just dice roll, I could live with that. So it's not intuitive at all. And many people struggle with the combat in this game. I'm an experienced Morrowind player at this point. I don't struggle with combat, but I struggle with if I don't make this exact character, this exact weapon I have, mm-hmm. you're cooked. Yeah. There's no flexibility in this game. It is the most unforgiving, hardcore system where this game that's so imaginative and like explore this world. Well, you have to explore it in a very confined way in your build. Yeah. You cannot. And I'd say it's just right here, like for all the people that criticize Skyrim for some things like you can play Skyrim any way you want to at any time and that's a really if you could do that why would you want to play this and that's half truth half shit posting I love this game but like hey like it's a it's a hard point to ignore like if you're getting chased by a cliff racer there's a bow on the ground you should be able to pick up the bow and shoot the damn thing if you didn't put any skills in bow you're missing every shot I don't care well, even if you have like a melee character and you have a you know a long sword and you're right in front of the guy and you have full stamina you're gonna miss sometimes like it's that something. You're going to miss more times than not. Yeah. Especially when you're getting ganged up by cliff racers to peck that. I think the combat is what feels the least modern in this game. And it's not even a thing of being modern. It's just, it's so things out of your control unless you want to sit there and grind your skills. So let's say you can look past all of that. Navigation. The map. The ultimate villain in this game. Or the lack of one damn near. Yeah. Very, the reason I stopped playing this game. Exactly. So I was going to hand the mic over to you. I don't even remember it. I blocked it out of my brain. It was so horrible. So, All right. Okay. Never mind. So the map. <laughs> it's coming back. My problem with the map is you can't zoom in. You can't zoom out. You can't scroll through it. You can't see anything except a X by X square with you in the middle. So it says... Oh, okay. To do this quest, I need to go consult my journal because there's no, like, quest tracker. No which quest is markers. fine. There's no quest markers. There's no quest tracker on the UI, on the HUD. That's fine. They're like, use your damn journal. I'm like, okay. that's I can do that. I can go to my journal. I can consult my previous conversations to find out where I'm supposed to go. Okay, I need to go to the city. So I pull up my map. I can't even see it. Not only because everything is, is um, white because you haven't traveled it. But B, even if I had traveled it, if I'm too far away, I can't see it on the map. So I don't even know directionally where I'm supposed to go. And then you like have to consult the signpost, but I can't even find the signposts. Where are the signposts? And then I find a signpost and it doesn't even have my city that I'm looking for on it. So I don't even know how far away I am from my objective. And I gotta walk? 
slow as hell and get raided by cliff racers or whatever the hell they are? Yep. No. No, dude. And I can't fast travel out of there? Mm-mm. Yeah. And then on top of that, let's talk about the journal for a moment. So my biggest personal criticism of this game is the journal. Because I try to pick up every quest I can along the way. Like, everyone would play any Elder Scrolls game. Your journal gets so muddled it's in this game. If you get far it. into it, you're, you're overwhelmed. You don't really know where you're going. You don't really know what the page is on where you're trying to get to where you're going. You're getting bit by close racers the whole time. You're out of set. You're out of energy. You you can't hit anything. It's craziness. They did try to address a fix with the journal with the terminal DLC, but it's still pretty messy. There's a tab for quests and a tab for everything else, which helps a little bit. But there's there's still no navigation. Like you don't have quest markers and stuff. Still, it forces you to explore the world instead of play the story. Instead of do the quest, which is the reason why you're in the world to begin with. If you're a player who wants to play games with no mods, don't play Morrowind. And that's the thing. I'm a vanilla Elder Scrolls player. I don't. I'm one of the weirdos that won't play Elder Scrolls games with mods. I just I've dabbled in it. It was not. I like original stuff. So, if your solution to a fault with the game is just mod it, like I have problems with that. It's a dated game, but like quality of life would do such wonders for this game. And it's the one of the R three games that haven't had a remaster or remake, and it needs one the most. So in review, story, convoluted, weird, stretched out, side quest, eh, guild quest, eh, combat, <laughs> navigation, clunky, cliff racers, cliff racers, no quest markers, people giving you directions are wrong because they're racist or because they, they're just wrong, literally. If you pick a build- That's actually funny. It's actually kind of funny, yeah. but it's screwed up. As much as I love this game, I don't think anyone's going to find anything new on it at this point. I mean, it's, this isn't like me shitposting. This is me being sincere. Like, it's hard for me to recommend it. I recommend it to Barry because that's like my best friend. I was like, hey, play my favorite game ever. They gave, they gave me a solid effort. I tried. Eyes were bleeding afterward. I can't. And it's it's like, damn, I think that's how this game would really be perceived now. Like, it's different. Brian, we played it when it was new. It blew yeah. up our first computer. Like, we have a lot of nostalgia attached to this game. Nowadays, like... I think people, and this will probably be consistent with a lot of the other things that we might bring up with other games, but I think people complain about how nobody wants to play old games because we've been spoon-fed quality of life. Yeah. But why would I choose to suffer Yeah. when I've played better? Why would I do that? What? No. Oh, you got to appreciate your roots. All right, give me a map that zooms in and out. My it's th- not hard. <laughs> I think people get quality of life confused with like, the easy way out or however you want to word it. But like, like you're saying, it is difficult to go back. I love this game too. But like when you have, you know, box potatoes versus handmade mashed potatoes that taste great, which one are you going to eat if you can, you know, like it's quality of life. not necessarily like ease of access. It's, it's literally things that are, you know, set as a standard now that need to be met. And this game doesn't have that. Yeah. I played it recently. I guess I played it early this year, late last year. And, I have a bigger appreciation for it now playing it recently, but like, honestly, I cannot recommend to anyone going back and playing it. It's not an accessible game. It's not easy. It's not particularly a fun game either. Or I think, I don't think anyone, people who don't like the type of game Skyrim's can tell you it's a fun game. There's not a whole lot of fun going on. This game's pretty like depressing. The narrative's kind of crazy. All the glitchy clunkiness. It's hard for me to recommend anyone play it, honestly. As much as it pains me to say that, don't play more one, guys. <laughs> hey, Brian, what's uh, Tear Apart Mass Effect now? Yeah, boy. Well, 
just to be clear, this is my favorite game ever made. I love this game and adore this game more than just, you know, story, gameplay, the typical things you review a game. I've got very sentimental attachment to this game. That being said, it's got issues. Let's just jump into the story. Uh, I think it was revolutionary for the time. Obviously, now a lot of modern action RPGs kind of take the narrative, the way they explain the narrative. As, you know, Mass Effect's like the uh, the granddaddy of doing it in a modern era. However, the story's kind of cliched nowadays. I remember when I first played it, like, one of the reasons why I love this game is, like, it's the moment when they reveal the big spoiler if you haven't played it. It's like a, what, 10, 15-year-old spoiler game. Spoiler cast. Yeah. There's spoiler, multiple, here's multiple your chance. ways to play it. Here's right? your chance to back out. Yeah. All right. But the big reveal is like, hey, civilization has been reset so many times, and there's these things that come down and destroys. I remember I just sat with my jaw on the floor, like, blown away. And uh, it's literally the one moment if I could replay a game and just relive that, that'd be it, seriously. But like, that theory's kind of gone into, I don't want to say mainstream science, yeah, but Matrix like, to it first. It's been brought up, though. That's a thing. It's like, um, what, that's a little civilization's different. civilization's been reset so many that's times? That's a little different. That's I a fake just, civilization. I feel like yeah. I've heard that in plenty I mean, of other... that's just like a science fiction yeah, yeah. theme, But now I it's suppose. like, it's been kind of overdone to where there's, you know, people that are in the field being like, hey, this might be a possibility where it's like, we did have civilizations before. So it's kind of like an outdated thing now. Revolutionary for the time, sure, but now it's kind of like cliche sci-fi, which this game kind of has, honestly... It's like the things you don't love about Star Trek and the things you don't love about Star Wars, this does. You don't like the politics in Star Wars? Well, guess what? This game is all politics, bro. You don't like the episodes of Star Trek where they don't trek and you're supposed to explore shit? Well, guess what? That happens a lot in this game. It's weird how much they take from both like beloved Star, Star series and they take the things that people don't love. And it's kind of just a weird observation. Even like the crew, like that's what everyone's like, oh, Star Trek, it's, it's the crew. Yeah, you have some great crewmates. Some of the best in gaming, honestly. I think it's some of the best companions. But the ones that are bad, they, they, they're bad. Like, there's people that... There's a choice you have to make between two characters where one has to die. And, like, you know they're going to die. People the discourse like, to this day of yeah. who the right choice is is still bro, prevalent. Bro, right. Everybody knows we kill Ashley. But for yes. some reason, y'all out there being like, no, kill Caden, save Ashley. And I'm like... So okay. my argument is that right. even if you're looking ahead at Mass Effect 3 where Ashley is some, I mean, she's still a horrible person, but she's a lot more likable than in the first game. Like, no one's shedding tears over Caden, Mr. Headache, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's I was, shedding like, tears. I wish they could just select both and get on with my life. It's supposed to be this big epic I choice. know, just push them both in the nuke and be like, I don't have right. to deal with either of you. So like, why wasn't that the renegade Ultimate choice? renegade, right. Exactly. Like, the, a real, okay, and I'm, I'm the, sure you'll- I'm the commander, ready to get out of here. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get to it, but like, the lack of actual applicable oh, yeah. renegade choices, that yep. should have been one, where I say, forget both of you, you both can die, suckers. The thing is, with this game, the big selling points, like, your choices matter. And like, yeah, you don't have this character for the other games in the series. And that's like the first like heavy handed choice where, you know, a big implications when they come. But like, is it really that big of an implication losing the shittiest character in the franchise? Because we're all going to pick Ashley because she's a racist. But anyway, or funny if we're just like, do we do we pick Tali or do we pick Garrus? Mm. Arguably the two best companions mm. in the entire Turn that series. Game off. Turn the game off. All right. Like <laughs> you gave us the the two whitiest of white breads. Characters right. in Humans. looks and personality Humans. to kill off. Yeah, yeah. There's no real like. Uh, I I remember sitting there playing that game for the first time, 
when you play it for the first time, you don't initially realize that one of them is going to die, at least for me. So they yeah. were like, okay, someone needs to go do it and someone needs to like do this. I said, okay, well, this makes sense for this person to go do whatever, whatever. So I sent, I don't remember who I sent to go blow up. And the cutscene happens and they die. And I was like, oh, so I reloaded it and I got to the screen where I had to pick because I knew at that point one of them was going to die because I've already killed both of them and, <laughs> and save scummed it. So I'm just sitting there staring at it. And I couldn't make a choice because, like, I couldn't decide who I disliked the most. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, man, what are the great, qual- right. like, glowing, like, characteristics of this character that I want to save and talk to. Like, I avoided them like the plague. Like, even and it other- was a hard choice because I couldn't figure out who I disliked the most. Yeah, that's the thing. Even other Bioware games, like in Dragon Age, when it's like, hey, you basically, you pick, and if you like, Logan stays, K- K- King Kalen's going to leave. Or you pick Kalen, and Logan has to die. It's like, damn, I got to sit here and think about this for a minute. That's like, heavy. This one was definitely just like, and the thing is, my I can biggest, decide who I hate more. <laughs> my biggest beefs, this is the first, like, you Big know, one, ultimate yeah. choice. And it sets the standard for the rest of the game's choices, which we'll get to. Interesting observation really quick, where Fable gets universally panned for part of it because the mouthpiece that was behind Fable, but it gets panned for like the choices not really mounting anything other than your physical appearance. Like this game doesn't really have the same, it's got the same problem. Like the choices don't really, (laughs) I don't hear it get universally panned for it though. How much time did you spend with three? For just the first first game, no. If you take it out of context of the series, no. You put it in context of what they promised us. Which I feel like you kind of have to with this game since it does load into other games. You know what I mean? So I don't feel like it's unfair thing to do to like talk about three and two a little bit. Yeah, which, I mean, I've got that on here for sure, because it's yeah. definitely a point of criticism that's 100% valid. Point A, don't start this game because you will waste hours and not get an ultimate payoff in the end. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for me, the big emotional sticking point, it's not there. And it's like, yeah, you're losing one of your companions that you've had with Ashley Dame there since the beginning of the game, but it's, it doesn't have a lot of thump to it. And it kind of sets the tone going forward for most of the decisions you have to make, especially in this first game, minus, you know, one or two there's not a lot of uh, impact on your choices. And yeah, we obviously just touched on it a little bit. It's a theme that carries throughout this, the franchise and especially the, you know, the third game with the endings, what gets panned to the heavens, which we're talking about. The or the so. galactic power, whatever. Right. But let's say you're just the galactic readiness. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> which is not even in the remake. Okay. Anyway, it's in there, but it's done completely different. But the thing is you make all this time, especially if as a new player, all this time making these decisions, spending time with these characters for a light show. But that's not the first game. But it is impacting. So let's say you want to play the first game and you want to go through the trilogy. Everyone kind of already knows, like, oh, there's some issues with the ending. But, like, you want to spend this much time in an RPG for none of this shit to really matter. It's kind of a hard sell when I'm like, hey, you want to play this game for the first time? For what? So I can play Andromeda that's not going to... Imagine starting a nine-hour-long movie knowing the ending's going to not be very great. Yeah, exactly. Hard thing to ask. On, now, this is way longer than nine hours is the thing. This yeah. is... I've got saves with, you know, 60, 80 hours on all three. This is trying to convince someone to watch Game of Thrones all the way through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like, everyone knows how that ended. Why yeah. would you tell someone, yeah, but you should watch the rest of it? Oh, but did Game of Thrones have an nah, alternate dog. ending? They have a DLC ending where it was like, sorry, but it's yeah, still it's fucked up. Yeah, it's called archiveofourown.com <laughs> yeah. or .org. AO3 boys, the fan fiction gave it to us. Right. <laughs> but even like, yeah, you spend all these time with these characters and we brought up Rex earlier. Like Rex was one of my favorite companions from the first game, but you 
you can't romance them. And the whole thing's like the way this game's supposed to handle, you know, politics, religion, sex, it's supposed to be like, you know, you make your decision. You live with your game's gonna be completely different than mine, but you can't romance Rex. It's kind of a Well, even then, even if you kill Rex, they just put a stand in for him in the next game. Yeah, exactly. And the events roll out the exact same way if Rex was there or not. You just get different dialogue. And it goes all the way back to do your choices even really matter? Which is the the selling point of this game is like, you know, like Kotar had it a little bit where you made a decision and it kind of affected the story later on. The whole selling point of this game is, oh yeah, it's going to affect the next game and the game after that. Does it really though? Yeah. Eh. And you want to talk about world building like you were talking about in uh, Morrowind. This game, the lore is great. The the world that they've built awesome, but to get to the, like the backstory and the nitty gritty of it, you got to find codexes and read the codexes. And yeah, there's a narrator that helps a little bit, but when you're playing a game, especially a, a quote action RPG, do you want to have someone sit there and read text boxes to you? No, and that's a thing. Like the world itself that you're currently living in, I think it does a fine job of like explaining it. But if you want to get some of these characters' motives or the the race's backstories or why these certain characters act a certain way. You're going to want to read those codexes, and it's it's not fun to sit there and read text or be like, I fall asleep when people lecture to me. Like, I get made fun of at work all the time when someone's up there talking and I start dozing off. If the game's reading to me, I'm going to start losing interest in dozing off. It's just Here, that simple. Here's what I think they should do going forward, and it's what Horizon Zero Dawn did. Um, I know Forbidden West did it. I can't remember. Zero Dawn should have done it. But... You pick up those journal entries, you pick up those diaries, you pick up those codexes, and they're short snippets, yep. but it autoplays. So yep. someone's voicing that diary entry while you're like exploring the rest of the world. You don't have to stop what you're doing to read text. Yeah. They'll read it for you. You can do it so, in gameplay. So every thing. single time I'm picking something up, like I'm playing it because I'm like, cool, I can listen to this yep. and play a game. Exactly. Like, Bioshock gamers are multitaskers to a core like yeah. we look at efficiency and how much we can do in a certain amount of time and you're gonna make us stop and read a book especially our crusty old no. asses we got shit to do so I, like i got so many games to play right. i don't have time to read your ten thousand volumes of lore every game that does that does do a great job of building the world while you're experiencing the world too like bioshock's another really good example of like finding those audio logs like you pick them up they play while you're Still playing. Mm-hmm. There's no hesitation. And that's the thing. You're not going to miss anything because the game's so big while you're doing this. Like, imagine how helpful it would have been to be able to listen to the codexes when you're exploring the planets. The actual thing it's talking about. The it's like a guided tour almost. It does that sometimes, but yeah, 99% of them? Mm-mm. And that would have gone a long way with this game because it is a really rich world, but if you don't dig, you just see the surface level of it. Also, we brought up work a little bit. Uh, how do you guys feel like about getting yelled at by your boss constantly because that's a huge issue I have with this game. You're supposed to be like the first human specter, you don't take any orders from anybody, you're your own boss, but you just constantly get belittled for every decision you make with no input whatsoever. The game where it's like you're supposed to make decisions and you get belittled for it constantly and especially in this first game, First it's one oh, the first game horrible, bad dude. about it. Again, the whole selling point of this game is like make your own decisions, but you get criticized every time you do no matter what and it's like, what am I doing wrong? Especially like most of them in this one, it's not even like your fault. It's just part of the story narrative playing out. And it's like, you're still getting bitched at for it. So the first game is the, the most atrocious at this. And it's literally like, even if, you know, spoiler, you let the, you let the council die. It's almost the way it's like, God, at least I got him to shut up. Like, <laughs> why would I let the council live? Yeah. Right. That's the thing. There's, so you're making the good guy decisions, the paragon decisions. Y'all shitted on me the whole time. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I sacrifice the rest of the fleet to save four of your stupid asses? After you save the world, they're still like, well, you know, 
That's true. Yeah, off. they yeah, imprison destroyed. you. Yeah, you get imprisoned. You get docked. You're like, yep, you can't. You're you're shut down. For what? Saving you guys? You let our office blow up. Oh, my bad. Like, God. it's so crazy. Like, your boys, the one that blew up the office. Like, what are you talking about? The guy you guys appointed as a specter. Like, I say it kind of tongue in cheek, but from like a gameplay perspective where it's like, you need to make your choices, you need to live with your choices, and then you immediately get criticized every single time because the council is involved with all the story, like the main story. They criticize you, even the side quests, though. They do it too in the side quests. Like when you shut down the rogue eye and the moon, and they're like, Whoa. That was our side experiment. Why'd you do that? I'm a specter. I can do whatever I want. You've already established that in the lore, but they still yell at you. But then you have, you know, Saren, the, the enemy of the game, who's also a specter doing his own thing. And their argument the whole time is, well, he's a specter. So which one is it? Like, <laughs> but that's yeah. the thing. The, the reason why they get behind it. Have you cake and eat it, bruh. Yeah, literally. But it's, it's racism in the game also. Like they basically, the rest of the aliens don't like the humans. So like, yeah, you're experienced the whole time. But I mean, this is just space racism, a love story. Yeah, it like, is. Especially the first game. Good God. <laughs> racism to space racism. I mean, at this point, like science fiction is synonymous with space racism. Yeah. Like you cannot have a space setting without having racism of any kind. Spacism. And it's always pre- like, yeah, I can't even think of a single thing that like doesn't have it as Asteroids. a core, a core <laughs> like point. Yeah. That's just a story, you know, just kind of some beats, some funny ones, some serious ones. My biggest issue with the story is like, they literally tell you, you make your choices. They make you a specter and it's like, they don't really want to, but they realize it's the right thing to do. And they still criticize you the whole time for every decision you make. It just, it literally goes against the core of the game. But let's jump into the gameplay. Side quest, again, there's no real memorable ones. There's one or two, but most of them are fetch quests. You go to a barren planet when you're driving this... (laughs) I love the Mako, but I get... Oh, the Mako's awful. Going back and playing it, it feels very dated. The community is so divided on the Mako. Bro, I cannot believe they changed the controls on the Legacy version. Like, forget it, bro. You know how much time I spent learning these controls and getting this thing to jump over missiles and hover over missiles? Like, no, give that back to me. (laughs) But, yeah, the fact that they actually changed it in the remaster should tell you everything you know about the actual controls of the Mako. But anyways, you're going on these barren planets, you go find an item, you push A on it, they tell you great job, and that's pretty much the extent of 99% of the side quests in this game. I mean, you had a couple sandworms and some bases yeah, you had to like every once in a while you'll kill some bases with some rogue geth or something, but th- there's not a lot of meat on the bones for the side quests. In the game, that's about like exploration, doing what you want to do because you're a specter, even though you'll get yelled at for it. It just kind of goes against the core aspect of the game again. Uh, planet exploration is really not worth your time and they did a better job of like updating that in two and three where you need resources for certain things but in this game it's you can skip it like there's no actual need to do any of the side quests it's not rewarding there's no story elements that even like the squad missions they're not like they are in two and three there's the backbones there but it's missing some vertebrae uh actual gameplay itself the combat when you're clearing out these bases it's that's the thing so like it was the first time bioware made like an in-game real-time action combat but it's it's such a weird like amalgam of yeah we tried to make this cover shooter but there's no like thumpiness to any of the shooting the cover system's horrible like you literally sprint to something and you might kind of stick to a wall it's not like gears of war where it's very fluid and it's you more can like win back on n64 yeah kind of honestly clunky all right, look, there is absolutely no reason in this game to play any other class 
other than soldier yeah. and only use the sniper rifle. Yeah, the yeah. Black Widow. 100%. Every other gun is irrelevant, completely yeah. irrelevant. There's no ammo system. That's the, the heat clips, which they took the, out, which tell you everything. Which two? I mean, the first one was uh, overheat. You can only shoot it so many times and let it cool down. The second one actually brought in thermal clips, and you had to like collect them, right. and it made you have to use the other weapons. But like the first game, if you ain't using, if you ain't using the sniper rifle, like yeah, you could. You're just, just trying to make your. It's trying to make it harder on the lower difficulties. Just whack him in the face. Yeah. I don't even use biotics. You just biotics are doo doo in the first game. Get in the cover, yeah. pop up hit him in the head with the sniper rifle on the lower difficulties and they're dead. You put a, you put this thing on insanity and these guys are bullet sponges and you just keep smacking them and smacking them and smacking them. There's no rewarding combat. Even the grenades, it's so awkward of a feature they end up taking out in the later games where you throw a grenade and like you're supposed to detonate it. There's no real like impact. The yeah, combat's for an action RPG. Yeah. The action is not great. Exactly. I've played There's, far more egregious combat games, but for a shooting game, like, it's not very uh, smooth. And there's a reason why 2 kind of took the extra... Like, that's the thing. Like, I love the first game for the RPG elements, but there's a reason why they realized, like, hey, this isn't working. We got to change it up a little bit and make it more accessible. Well, even remember there's when the remake slash remaster or whatever you want to call it was, like, one was the one that took them the most... It's the biggest pain they asked for them to make because yeah. it has clunkiness. I mean, yeah, it's the oldest game, but also there's some clunk that's not just like aged clunk. Yeah, right. it was the first time Bioware did it, but it's like there was games out at the time where the shooting felt more rewarding. It felt more fluid. The shooting's just not rewarding and the combat loop itself is not very fun, especially on the higher difficulties where you're just trying to melt people and just tear down a health bar is all it is. The enemies aren't smart. They'll stay behind cover. You can just keep popping them. You heal, you pop back up again. The cover system's total ass. It's not great. Also, the inventory system, it's cool because this is the one that's most like an RPG where you have, you know, different armor and stuff that you can switch out, which they took out in later games. But I assume it's because this inventory system's so bad. If you pick up loot, which is just so much of it that you're going to turn into Medjo anyway, the loot's pretty pointless unless you grab your one item in the story that you're supposed to grab. But the menu, you just keep going left to right for minutes at a time sometimes trying to dismantle this shit. It's so pointless. Like, I appreciate them trying to make an RPG, but don't do it unless you're going to make an actual RPG. There are times where this game can't decide if it's going to like lean into more an RPG or lean into more of a shooting game. And it yeah. ends up kind of just being a half-assed both of them at times. And then lastly, just kind of a fun tongue-in-cheek one, the elevator load times. Like even on Meh. install the game on your 360 and play it, you just sit in these elevators for minutes at a time. Like it's horrible. What do you do Wait, to pass time? This came out what, 2007? 6? 2010? 2009? What? First one? Yeah. No, six, it was dude. like 2006, 2006 or seven. seven. We did not have the Xbox 360 Slims until yeah. 2010. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So take your game and go load it on a white boy with a 20 gig hard drive slapped on the top of it mm. and hope you don't get the red ring of death yeah. while you're in the elevator. It's not, that's the thing. If it was doing it in a combat environment where I had to do like AI and stuff like that, the elevators aren't, except for the end. They're not even taking place in like actual gameplay. Most of the time you're walking around, you're doing, you know, quests, you're talking to people, and they, they did address it in the remaster where it's actually it was loading too fast and they get the team dialogue, they had to slow it down. They have a skip button that you can push. Like all, that's the thing. I'm not gonna say don't play this game. Don't play the original release. Like the remaster, they address a lot of these quality of life issues. Do you just want, you know, 
a lot of years of buildup of of no payoff. Yeah, if you just be disappointed, just skip to three. Why torture yourself long term? Yeah, they'll just tell you what happened in the rest of it. It's fine. My biggest crime in this game, though. Yeah. Skip one and three and just play two. I remember, like, I was shitty. I don't want to get off track, but like playing three for the first time, like I just wasted years of my life. Dog, because I remember no payoff. I was I like seriously teary eyed. I, I remember watching you like. Not rage, but like I was more upset. Hurt. You were, like, <laughs> was you were hurt. shook. It hurt dude. me in my soul. I yeah. love the series. I witnessed like I, everything I, about it. But like these were, your, these were your games, right? Like I watched you play them before I played them. But like I've experienced these games enough. Like I watched you like genuine heartbreak. Drop the controllers. Like are, are you kidding me? Yeah, when that kid popped up, I said. Star Child. <laughs> so what? Nee, nee, huh? nee, nee. And so the slow, like when you're playing oh, Mass Effect no. 3 and that slow walk up of like a beaten, uh. battered shepherd, like up to the beam, I'm like, man, this is it. <laughs> like, yo, we're here. And then it was like this kid was like, hey, hey, you got three choices. It doesn't matter which one you pick because the ending's going to be the same. It's just going to be in a Dude. little different color. Or, you know, you can go against the whole core value of the game where you combine the two synthetic and the organics. But the whole thing of Mass Effect where they preach for you for literally, you know, hundreds of hours for three games is that, like, you have to coexist. So, like, let's just pick the ending where we just combine them two and kind of just, eh, let bygones be got. It goes against the whole value of the game. The whole thing is, like, Shepard is literally the embodiment symbol of, like, hey, we're going to put our differences aside and make it work to come together and defeat the Reapers. And you just combine everybody. But people are literally making that the argument. But, like, the argument's, like, the only way they can still be alive and still use the, you know... Mass Effect relays a travel through space as if they picked the merging mm-hmm. in me. Yeah. But like, yeah. What? It literally goes against the whole purpose of the game of like everything about working together hey, and saving the galaxy. Like, gotta get that cash cow uh, with that legacy edition. Boy. It almost makes me wonder if they're gonna be like, that wasn't the ending. Let's we'll reboot it. Yeah. Maybe they're like, the Reapers want. Oh, dude. No, what's the one that everyone's They're gonna reboot three. I want to be Everybody mad. thought Shepard was dead in three, right? Bro, Shepard did die in two, so there's the theory that he's been indoctrinated the whole theories. time. There is, he died oh, in yeah, third. It's all in his head, too. bro. That one's so stupid. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the fact that people it. have to come up with theories to try hey, to look, save this game. Hey, look, all I'm saying, if the Reaper's going to indoctrinate me and put Miranda up in there, I'm indoctrinated, baby. Plug me I'm in, here. baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's one positive about the playing the original releases. But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Barry, what about Final Fantasy? Oh, God. Seven. Straight into it. No transition. So, Final Sweet Fantasy Seven came out. A long time ago, we're talking about the original Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation. Now, let's start this off with the story. Huh. If you enjoy not knowing what the hell you are doing, you can play this game. And I'll try to give it to you in a nutshell. Because sometimes when you play games, you can say, oh, hey, like, what's the general consensus of Mass Effect? Oh, you're, you're a human soldier who's basically trying to save the world from ultimate annihilation from, like, aliens that come from outside of the universe. Okay. Not with this game. <laughs> All right, not with this game. There is no way to explain what this game is. Ultimately, you will play as this character named Cloud. Everyone's seen him. Little twink boy with the blonde hair and the big sword. <laughs> He's a mercenary ex-soldier. We'll get to that part here. Soldier, all capitals. Not just like a soldier that fights, but it is like a title first class soldier. Like the shebang to shebang. He is now protecting a group that is committing domestic terrorism as an environmental activist group. Okay. The secret base for their group is under the bar of his childhood crush now turned adult hottie. The childhood girlfriend <laughs> that you wanted is over here blowing up energy reactors in the name of let's save the planet. They're soaking up the Mako, the lifeblood. Uh... The, the the reactor that you go to blow up blows up very critically 
and you fall down into the slums of this city on a pizza plate. All right, it's a giant pizza. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. You fall down into a church through the roof, and you meet this other girl. She ends up being the descendant of a race of people that are basically druids. Okay, they could talk to the planet. They're like, oh man, I can hear the cries of the planet. She looks like a normal human being and she doesn't have special powers, but like, let's just say she can talk to ghosts. Like, that's basically what she does. Aerith. Now, Aerith's ex-boyfriend is also a soldier named Zack. First class soldier. Ex-boyfriend because he's gone. He never came back to Midgar. Never came back. He did. All right. She sees a lot of similarities in Cloud as Zack and is like, hmm, okay. Sir, you kind of remind me of my ex-boyfriend here. He hasn't returned, and here you are. Maybe I'll move on now. In reality, Cloud never was a soldier, all right? He was too chicken shit and couldn't handle it. He was like a grunt, all right? He never wasn't a soldier. He wasn't third class. He wasn't second class. He wasn't first class. He never was soldier. He was a little grunt that went around with the with the soldiers, and... He was with Zack. Zack is his friend. Zack dies in his arms, horribly, after a, a shootout because he turns basically traitor in long stories of Crisis Core, which, you know what, you can't even understand the premise of this game without playing the other ones. So, like, if you like can't. A billion years later, if by you the can't way. commit. Yeah, if you can't commit to playing this game and every subsequent side game, you're never going to understand the story. So, he dies in Cloud's arms. While Cloud basically is mentally crippled because he was sitting inside of a Mako-filled tank of liquid that just liquefied his brain. And all he hears is Zack dying is basically saying, continue my legacy, Cloud. So now Cloud's, you know, poison brain rebooted and he assumed the identity of Zack in a fit of mental identity crisis. All right. Like the so, Spider-Man. Pretty straightforward, yeah. <laughs> so, now let's bring in Sephiroth, alright? Sephiroth, the, the most iconic Final Fantasy villain of all time. Name me a bigger one. Can't. You really kind of can't. No. Like, Sephiroth is the Final Fantasy villain. I'd say villain for games. He's on that list. He's on... Everyone anybody knows. wants to talk about a big bad villain like Sephiroth's on there? Nobody really kind of gets who this guy is, Okay. He thinks he is a descendant of an ancient, the Cetra, the same people that Aerith is, named Genova. And he thinks Genova is his mother. Okay, we're kind of collecting some clues or playing this game. The clues don't make sense, but you know what? We're like, we're here for the payoff. Maybe it'll make sense at some point. Uh, Sephiroth's actually dead. So what happened is Cloud ran him through a sword at one point um, in his past, dumped his ass into a pit in a pool of the life stream in a reactor on another sit like a town killed Sephiroth. But Sephiroth's mind and his will were so strong that he now lives inside of the life stream pool. And now imagine the life stream pool is like under the crust of the planet. There's like a swirling green mass of just well liquid. Water. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the well water of the ground, right? Sephiroth's so strong his body died, but his <laughs> mind like transcended Johnny Depp into the, the life stream pool. He's Metachlorians, man. And now he lives inside of a life stream pool in a crater in the northern of the planet. And he controls Genova who, Genova, who spits out Sephiroth clones. Because Genova is actually an alien. Came down from space to destroy the planet. And so 
Cloud, and the connection here is Cloud was injected with Genova cells because they were like, we want to make whatever she was. She was, you know, Hojo was... Oh, I can't even explain to you Hojo and all this crazy <laughs> yeah. other stuff. But Cloud is injected in injected Genova cells, and that's kind of how they make these these soldiers, these like super soldiers, is through this program. He was a failure, essentially. Um, so he's not a clone, but he's like very connected to Sephiroth. All right. So we've established that. We've got aliens. We've got dead guys who aren't actually dead, who don't have bodies, but they do have bodies. Cloud has a, has a messed up identity. Cloud is Cloud, but not as Cloud. He's Zack, but Zack is Zack. Amnesia, of course. Yeah. No, not even amnesia. No, it's beyond amnesia. It's not like a medical Not thing. even it's amnesia. Like fluid-induced thing. Just <laughs> like, out. Yeah. So now Sephiroth wants to blow up the planet and wipe out all the humans so he can become God and absorb the rest of the life stream. That's his ultimate goal. And he wants to do that with a meteor. Basically, the strongest magic of all of the universe, this meteor is like, I don't even understand what else the point of this magic would be other than like total annihilation. The only person that can stop him is Aerith, the last one of the ancients, the final one. That's the only person who can stop him because she has some special holy materia, which I don't even know if it was explained on why nobody else can use it. No. Because it's it's a little jewel. It's like a yeah. little golf ball size jewel. That's materia. That's how you know it's condensed Mako energy into a physical form, and that's how they channel magic, right? She has a, a holy materia, so she's the only person that can stop him. He just flies down from the the yeah the sky and just lances her with his sword that's twenty feet long. Straights up lances her in front of you in a cutscene. Nobody was prepared for it at this time. So she's dead, dead. She's dead, dead. But wait, she's not dead, dead. Because she's actually in the live stream, just like Sephiroth. And what happens is at the end of the game, we kill Sephiroth, but it can't stop his meteor from essentially that's already crushing Midgar to a pulp with its gravity because the gravity was so strong, Holy couldn't push it out by itself that Aerith has to assume the powers of the live stream shoots the live stream out of the planet like a geyser and pushes this meteor back. And that's how we save everything. You guys follow that? That's the <laughs> that's the short version of the story, okay? Yes, yes it is. That's like that the is the shortest version skeleton. that could possibly yeah. explain this story to me. We're not even going to talk about any of your other party members. We just talked about like- Which have some two. crazy stuff with them too, so like- Yeah, not to mention all the other characters that happens in this game. You got a dog- that's not a dog, but he's nope. a cat. He nope. was experimented on, and he lives in a canyon. Uh, you got a dude who is the most unbearable man I could ever, ever play in a game. His name is Sid. You've got a dude who's dead, but not really dead, and he's been in stasis and acts like a vampire, but yeah. he's not, <laughs> not a, a vampire. vampire. No. And the only way to get him is to play Sherlock Holmes in his haunted mansion, yep. pick up some clues, and find out how to get to him. You've got a cat that has a giant doll as a robot that he rides around on. He's a spy. Like he double crosses you a lot. Least weird thing in the game, though, at this point. The fact that it's even in a, a nomination of being the least weird thing we've talked about so far. You got Barrett, who just, you know, lost his arm, and instead of a prosthetic arm, he put a machine gun on it. Totally normal. Absolutely, totally normal. And uses it for his domestic terrorism so plots. Save the planet, bro. Let's use copper he's and a, lead. He's got to <laughs> save the planet. 
Uh, you have, who am I missing? You have the other optional character. Who is easier to get? I believe you only have to encounter her X amount of times in a random encounter and defeat her, and then she wants to follow you. Ultimately steals all your shit. Yep. And then you have to travel across the planet to an area where you aren't supposed to be anyways because there's nothing out there that pertains to the story to play her side quest in a Wutai for the Great War of Shinra versus Wutai that's never actually really addressed in the game. No. At all. To go get your stuff back. But you've got optional side characters that uh, can't banter with the rest of the party because they're not written into the story because if you don't have them, they're optional. So, yeah, they feel great to have because they don't talk to each other at all. They just talk to Cloud. And I don't even think Cloud responds to them, actually. I don't talk much. Say he's an emotional guy, so. Um, Doesn't even cry when Earth dies in his arms. Not to mention the fact that Cloud has a crisis with identity, but he, there are countless, endless, endless flashback scenes. Oh, yeah. Calm is the worst. Calm is so boring. Nobody cares. The flashbacks, and then you'll get the ones where you'll travel to the same place, and it'll flash back in the same place that you're currently in to remind you, hey, do you remember that you were there in the past, and you saw this flashing cutscene previously in the game, but now we're going to flash it, and instead of Zack's head, it's going to have, or instead of Cloud's head, it's going to have Zack's head on, and you're going to have to watch it again. If you enjoy building up the best healer in the party for a long period of time, only for her to get nuked, and none of your other party members can can compensate for the lack of healing. You can play this game. Or you can just say, forget her as a character. But you can't really forget her as a character because they put you in moments of the game where you have yeah. to have her in the party. There's four options. There's Cloud, Barrett, Tifa, and Aerith. And most of the time, you are stuck with three of them, and a lot of the times it's Aerith, so you have to invest time into her. You can't just be like, okay, well, I know you're gonna die. I'm not gonna invest any time into you. Nah, fam, you've got to. Yep. And then you have to invest time in her because she is horribly weak. She gets very strong, especially with her magic, but, like, she is so weak in the beginning that you have to train her up in order to survive the game. So... Yeah, it's tedious because you know how it's gonna end, and it's like, well... It yep. was very pointless. Yep, she just gets stabbed and you do burial at water pond in the <laughs> middle of the mystic mushroom forest. So I was actually, I don't want to interject, but uh, I remember one of my things as a kid even, and it was uh, internet people bring it up all the time, why didn't they just use a phoenix down on her? Bro. But apparently there's a lore reason for it. I was just looking up on my phone. You but, can't use a phoenix yeah. down on her. They're talking about back in Final Fantasy V, they explain how you can't use it. It's for knocked out opponents instead of actually dead. But like, why can't we use Phoenix Down on Aerith? First answer, because it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As a quick reminder, Final Fantasy uses a Phoenix Down and the cures knocked out or KO status in battle. You are not dead under the status, just incapacitated. As Aerith was very much dead after being impaled, it would have not worked. Like what? Well, just doesn't go through. What is? What is? What are these people's skin made of, bro? But we have a revive spell in the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's literally called revive. And the description, if I remember correctly, says revives a dead party member. It's just what? <laughs> what? Not to mention that I guess, like I don't know, the only person that was apparent, like apparently there at the time of death, was Cloud. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the secret cheat code was to have the materia equipped to him at the time and he could have done it. Or, like, maybe he could have just, like, I don't know. How long do you have to be dead for Revive not to work on you anymore? 
Here's my thing. going to carry the body back and been like, yo, I need one of you guys to learn yeah. this. Like, go level up the materia. I have the materia. <laughs> I got the materia. Go level it up. And then we're going to revive her. And my thing is, look how many other characters in this game specifically. Let's just take other Final Fantasy lore and shit out of it. Have already died and are still around. Like, it's just a weird yeah, thing to be like, like, this one character who's the, uh, the, the savior has to die. It's such a weird, like. And not even that. Not even that. She dies in the pool. Her head. Her head scarf thing comes undone and the materia just falls out and plops yeah. in the water and nobody thinks to go into the water and grab, grab it boy, yeah. and they're like oh man that's the materia that we needed like yep. oh it's in the water now we need to go down there and get it yeah it's alright because she turns into water and saves a day at the end so. yeah she turns into water and saves a day as a geyser um, moving on from that it's I'm sorry <laughs> it's a lot to move on from it's funny how it's it's literally probably the most iconic death in video games but it could have been so easily avoided <laughs> like it could have been so she's, easily and she's 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 kneeling praying like yeah. she knows she's gonna die yeah. and she's like that's fine spear yeah. me and it and it happens and she's not like fighting back or anything I don't does she die instantly I don't remember I don't think she's like stabbed bro she dead. dies instantly and okay. slumps like yeah, slumps, she just slumps over, over yeah That's, okay she yeah, doesn't say like, anything yeah. she just kind of looks at cloud All and right. just yeah. done it's like the dude's like falling from super high in the sky yeah, though yeah. so it's like the it's like the Kong Pao movie where it's like driver with a yeah. sword I'm coming and it's like three minutes long of him running it's like that you, you can just look up and say like oh crap uh Sephiroth's got a sword and he's coming at me I should probably sidestep here but it's like uh-uh. I'm just gonna let it come uh-uh I always knew it was going to be like this. <laughs> like I'm assuming the explanation is Aerith knows that she can't stop the meteor as a person with just the magic. And in, in order to stop it properly, she has to become one with the live stream, which like fine. But I think that's an inferred mm-hmm. thing Never, from the game and I mean, not even explained. explained. Yeah. After the fact. Um, just to kind of defend or uh, explain away the the reasoning on why she just didn't step Move. out of the way yeah just roll <laughs> just roll over like Stand i up. don't know dude um we'll talk about the backgrounds and environments being whack to maneuver okay i remember Ooh. when i was a kid the point where you have to climb the plate in midgar yep. near don corneo's manor it was impossible because there's like there's just pipes and then just hanging stuff everywhere and you're supposed to be climbing stuff and climbing little ladders and like swinging across i could not find I got to a point where I just could not find what I was supposed to do. The The environments are cool, but they're f- so flat the in a way that it's like really, weird on them. yeah, it's really hard to figure out where you're supposed to go. There's another one where you're going through a construction zone in the slums and you have to cross a pipe that goes over a cliff to another cliff, but it looks like the pipe is slanted down to the ground and you just like, you can't. But the pipe is actually slanted to the ground, but you think it's on the cliff. It doesn't make any sense. So people get stuck at that point because they're like, where am I supposed to go? There's not really a good indicator to show you, like, that's where you're supposed to go. Now, what I would do was just restart the game. I would just restart the game and play the game again. I was like, okay, why? Well, I don't. That's the end of the game. So I'd restart the game <laughs> and play yeah. it over and over and over until I got to that point. And one day I discovered the select button will pop up little indicator icons on the screen of like areas you can climb or areas that you can enter into. And that day is when I became a man. (laughs) So (laughs) I was able to play the rest of the game. Um, Also, if you hate mini games, stay away from this. All right. There's mini games on mini games on mini games on mini games in this. You can be a snowboarder. You can be a gambler. You can be a chocobo jockey. You can be a submarine captain. 
a, timely. You can do a death race with motorcycles where you just slash other people with a sword riding a motorcycle. You can even be an archaeologist. You can dig up some stuff in the dirt. Because they're in their story. There's there's a lot yeah. of them that are part of the story. You have to play them. Hmm. You want to play CPR with a dolphin watching you and then ride the <laughs> dolphin off to another town? It's in it. Okay, CPR on a little kid that has a horrible, horrible mechanic system where I let the kid die multiple times because I couldn't figure out how to do it. Right before you get the Jew on and you fight the Leviathan thing. Okay. And there's the dolphin swimming around and, and once you beat him, it flips you the summon materia out of the water because you saved the little girl that's the dolphin's friend because you had to give her CPR. I don't know how I don't remember that. You don't so remember that part? I don't know how. It sounds hilarious. But there's like an icon where you had to like push push CPR. Ha, ah, ah, ha, stay in line. You know, like that kind uh, of thing. And then you have to hit the button and then blow back in. And if you didn't do enough air, if you did too much, you'd mess it up. It, yeah. There's that many games. CPR. You can be a lifesaver. A lifeguard, if you will. That's really the game. The game's so wild and... The narrative is really messy. It is. It's a messy game. It is. And, and why would you play the original when the remake? It's the same argument, right? Yeah. Does fill in a lot for you, and it slows it down to me. Slows it's it like, down. At first, I was kind of like, "Man, they're really making this in like a what a three part game." And now I'm like, "Oh, thank God they did." And they're you know giving characters real personalities other than just yeah. being the girl with short shorts Some and depth. huge boobs. Yeah. Yep. I think it's weird, especially if talking about the characters. And I get for the time there was nothing that looked like Final Fantasy VII, but like for Cloud to be such a beloved character, like once you actually get to know Cloud he himself, he kind of sucks, bro. He sucks yeah. in Final Fantasy VII, the OG. Yeah, I mean, that's he's the thing. not likable. He's such a beloved character, and it's like if you, it's because he's literally living somebody else's life. Like Cloud himself actually really kind of sucks. Like it's a unique one, man. Because like the stories and everything, people are like, oh, the story. It's like that story is wild, and it's just there's shit you first forget. It's definitely not like any other Final Fantasy game, that's for sure, which is why, part of the reason why people remember it, but it is well, out I think there, it's man. Like, it's the pinnacle of Final Fantasy games. Everyone loves and knows Final Fantasy VII. And it's weird how some of the elements and things in every Final Fantasy game is kind of standalone, but there's a lot of things that they didn't take from Final Fantasy VII going forward. Every single game we've talked about, Mass Effect, Final Fantasy, Morrowind, are only good in the eyes of people who've played them for nostalgia purposes. You're not There's wrong. no reason to play these games when better ones exist. It's true, or newer versions of said I'm game. I'm sorry. It's, it goes back to quality of life, and that's the thing with a lot of these. It's like, you know, two out of three, they've, they've realized, like, looking at things objectively is important, and especially something that you can, you know... Mass Effect Legendary Edition still feels like Mass Effect. Final Fantasy VII Remaster, they change a lot, but it still feels like Final Fantasy VII at the heart of it. There's no reason why you can't... I'm not saying go buck wild George Lucas with it, but again, quality of life is much different than just like changes for the ch sake of changes, you know? And you may think I'm saying Final Fantasy VII is a bad game. That the creators and developers themselves have stated, this is the game we wanted to make, but were basically unable to because of technology. Wow. This is what we envision this game truly being. Same. Let's talk about Nomura and his crazy Kingdom Hearts oh. craziness. That's what we're going to get in this game. Yeah. But everyone wants to talk about, well, well, if the developers wanted it that way, then we should respect the developers. When it's convenient for you. When it's convenient developers. for you. Yeah. Let's, you know, Dark yeah. Souls. Yeah. Anything like that. The developers intended it that way. All right, well, the developers intended Final Fantasy VII Remake to be exactly what they envisioned the game to be. 
then just play that one. If you've never played it, just play that one. So, you can play 7 if you want to go back to see where it all began, but... It is hard to recommend when remakes sitting there being fantastic, a little better pacing, storytelling, better gameplay to be blunt. Well, the thing is, I like, take, all the things from original Final Fantasy Seven, it's kind of like, in the past, like, it was revered for the visuals, like, look at the remake, it's it looks great now. Uh, the storytelling, there was nothing like it, but, like... It's very messy. There's a reason why there was nothing like it. It was unique, sure, but it's it's like Mass Effect, same argument with that story, revolutionary for the time, but it's kind of outdated now. Still my favorite game of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we all three <laughs> at the table are going to say the same thing. These are still our favorite games at the time, we're always going to love them, but, like... I think it's important to note, though, like Barry, I think she hit the nail on the head. It's like through a certain lens, it's because I have the memories attached to Mass Effect. I, I alluded to it earlier, like Mass Effect mom got for me, bro. Like she's no longer with me, with us. She knew what she knew what I liked. She's like, oh, sci-fi, like this looks cool. You'll like it. There's more than just the actual game itself, why I adore Mass Effect. And like the time I did spend with it, I've never been more invested in, in a game, a whole series. Like I played Doom on every system, but it's still the same game. Mass Effect literally took 10 years of my life to get through it. You literally build time and relationships with these characters. But then again, there's there's flaws with these people and these characters and the storytelling in this game. I think it's important to note you have to look at things objectively, especially art, video games, however you want to word it. It is important to be able to be like, yeah, it's my favorite game, but it's not perfect. Don't let the nostalgia cloud you. Exactly. Don't. I'm be looking a- at you, Zelda people. <laughs> I'm looking at you. This thing is like, and every hobby's got it. Like, uh, this is old timey gatekeepers that if it's not exactly the way I remember, it's bullshit. Like, no. Just it's, because it's okay. a game is your favorite game does not make it the best game correct. of all time. Yeah, correct. It's not the greatest game of all time. And something I knew that all three of us never are- will be the greatest game of all time. It's kind of why I picked this episode. All three of us are pretty good at being like honest with ourselves, objective, and looking at things for as they are. So I wanted to kind of like put it out there for the audience whoever ourselves to a degree but like hey look favorite game my personal opinion best game but (laughs) there's just kind of do something different i don't want to be too negative i just want to do something kind of different talk about you know something we normally don't talk about so it's important hope you guys enjoyed it hope you found some some amusement entertainment out of it thanks for entertaining us as we try to entertain you brian you want to give us a sneak peek at the next episode yeah, I tried to pick something that we haven't had a game for the system yet, so I went with one of my favorite systems, underrated, TurboGrafx-16 classic, Splatterhouse. <laughs> Fun times. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta leave it in there. There's gonna be like four people that know what it is, and it's gonna be hilarious. I'm excited to play Splatterhouse, excited to dive into it. Make sure you guys check that one out in their next episode of our Is It Worth It series, Splatterhouse, and a TurboGrafx-16. Story time. To my story. Yeah, Brian, yeah. why don't you tell us about Pit of Hell from the retail environment? So I I wasn't at the game store that you guys worked at for the longest time, but I had a couple of good ones there. You could say that. Boy, I got some. <laughs> I got some. You could just tell this story about how you weren't there anymore and they handed Barry a little. No, bro, I felt like no. Resi- <laughs> the, the one <laughs> line letter text. of resignation yeah. email. Yeah. It was a text was and I said you should probably yeah. email me. Yeah. I thought it was a post-it note. No. <laughs> Look, y'all were on your way out too, right? <laughs> but I have plenty of stories from my store, and good God, it's horrible because what it was wasn't even open a long time. So mind you, opening my store, still getting things on the inside. 
I'm like, hey, we're doing buys by appointment so I can like literally work on the store and keep building the store, literally putting up slat wall and things like that. So this guy just like comes in, opens the door. I'm not even facing the counter. I'm like literally putting things away, but just slams this like dusty ass, dirty binder full of cards on the, t- on the counter. And he's like, I need you to buy these. Not, hey, can you look at these? You know, just the one, this dude's just making demands. Like, I need you to buy these. Like, all right, well, let me look what you have, whatever. It's a bunch of like kiss, like the band kiss cards. Okay. <laughs> but the kicker is there's, there's literally like, they must've been like a garbage bin because it had like brown sticky crap just all over them covered. So I'm like, man, these are, these are rough. Like we do buy cards, but like, this isn't something we're interested in conditions, everything. Maybe there were, I don't know shit about kiss. Like why why would I know anything about kiss? So I'm like, let me see if these are worth anything. And uh, (laughs) so I'm pulled up on eBay, complete set near mints, like four bucks. So I'm like, there's nothing here. I'm like, let me keep flipping (laughs) through this. Complete set near mint, $4. It's like a huge binder though. Like I'm talking, this thing's filled to the brim. Like a three inch binder? Yeah. Like with the rings on it to the point where all the cards on the inside towards the rings are just bent, destroyed. Yeah, from covered in goop, whatever. Oh, man. So I'm flipping through and I'm like, (laughs) maybe there's like a set because there's random sports cards thrown in there. So I'm looking at them and I'm like, again, these aren't worth a lot, man. Like I'll give you $5 out of pity for the whole binder and maybe I can saran wrap these things so they don't stink up my whole store. This dude goes on a tear about how nobody buys anything anymore and that's why all these small stores are closing. This is literally like a month before COVID, by the way. Like they shut down the businesses and shit. So he's sitting there, this is why, you know, companies are going down and told you you need to buy these. The customer's always white. You need to remember that. He was something else, screaming, yelling. I get belittled. I mean, this thing, it was a tangent, like five minutes, just going on and on about how this is why, you know, companies aren't around anymore. And I was like, dude, just put them on eBay. If like you think they're worth something, you can ask whatever you want for it. I tried being nice. I have to explain to him that I have to make money if I'm buying something, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, whatever, like, fuck you, blah, blah, goes away. Like two, three hours later, comes back with like an NES, a PS, a PlayStation, a butt dusty ass copy of Mario. I'm like, dude, like, do they work? Because I was like, you know, I'm into video games, clearly. And he's like, I haven't tried them. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'll untested everything. These things are disgusting. Like, I'll give you five bucks because honestly, I was like, maybe I can have a buddy like draw on the shell and I can sell the shell. Like, <laughs> but ended up buying it from him. Made his day. It's, it's just a reminder. Gave him five dollars and made his day. Yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story is, working retail. I don't miss people just like treating you like pure shit. Just be nice to other people, man. Like, end of the day. It's my business, so I could have treated you however I wanted, but like I try to be a respectable human being. Treat theirs how you want to be treated. This is fifth circle of hell. Anger. <laughs> because again, I'm a new business in like the area and trying to be nice, respectful of people and shit. At least be a it good wasn't person. an inset colony. Like I said, we'll start with an easy one. But yeah, just man, I don't miss that shit. I don't miss being treated like shit for literally not for not buying your property that I don't have to buy. Last time I remember it wasn't like I was mandated to buy your shit. Customer's always right, Brian. If you're going to do coke, do the real stuff, all right? <laughs> we ain't seen that since the 70s. Yeah, it's hard to find good coke. Yeah, man. Ways. You can't even get to... Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Clutch your bros out. Bye.